I haven't seen anybody take notes of anything I said in 20 years, praise God. And I'll just say it this way. I'll, no, I'll, I'll keep preaching for a minute. Your job will demand your time. Your kids are going to demand your time. Your education will demand time. Your house will demand time. Our society will demand time. And as busy it is, I want to remind you that you should demand time. You should demand, demand time from one another. Now, I know that I'm going to offend everybody with children in this room. So here it goes. Stop using your kids as an excuse. You're not the only people on the planet to have children. I have three. I never said, oh, my marriage with Nora is terrible because I got my kids. Stop using your kids as an excuse. Stop using your job as an excuse. What would you do if you didn't have a job and have all those beautiful kids? You pray for those kids, and now they're your excuse why your marriage is a hot mess. Or my job, I got to work. You know, there's other jobs. Or, you know, this and that. Or my education. So why are you going to have an education where you're spending so much time that you can't manage your education and your family so you have a degree and you're going to have a, a, a built divorce? You need to actually manage your time, but you need to demand time for one another. See, I hate to say it this way, but your kids are going to grow up, and they're going to leave your house. The ones that you're sacrificing your marriage for are going to leave the house, and then one day it's just going to be you two all, together, all over again, and you won't know one another. You'll be looking at a stranger that's 20 or 30 years older, and you'll be looking at them, and they're gray, and, 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 and they have... Signs of age. Thank you, sis. I was, I was looking for, for words I could use. Praise God. But you'll be, like, be looking at an older version of the person you married, but you won't know them. Why? Because as soon as you have kids, you start investing in them and forget you're married. I love my kids. I didn't marry them. I married Nora. I love my kids, but go fly, little birds, because that one is staying with me. But I am not going to sacrifice my marriage because I can't manage my time with my children. Children are lovely, but they'll suck every ounce of time and energy out of your life if you let them. Parents, newsflash, you are in charge. So listen, if you're not diligent, you can end up with not only an empty nest, but an empty life and an empty heart, sharing your home with a stranger. I got people all the time, I live for my kids. My kids are my heart. That's great. You shouldn't say that if you're married. Oh, Pastor, I'm going to agree with that. I don't care if I can be right and you can be wrong. You can not agree with it at all. But I do love my kids, but I stood before God and made a pact and a covenant with my wife, not my children. I love my children. They are in my heart, yes. But now there's different kind of loves, but I will not say, oh, now that I have three boys, I'm going to place them in front of Nora. I'll give them my time, I'll give them my patience and everything else, and she gets leftovers. That's not how it works. I'm speaking subliminally for every man in this room. Because mm -hmm. you do it. I got the kids. I'm so tired. I got the kids. No, headache. Uh, mm. Congratulations. You're not the only person with children. So we reveal our level, we reveal our level of selflessness by how we give our time. I want to tell you that's possible to grow apart. Let's just be honest. It is possible to grow apart. We all heard it and we all know it. But can I tell you, it's also possible to grow together. But you do that by investing time, not hopes and wishes and dreams. You see this all the time, and I'll give you a little hot, I'll let you breathe for a minute. We build everything in life off of hopes and wishes and dreams and rainbows and unicorns. 
People go to gym all the time. I want to get bigger. You get big by eating and sleeping, not by hopes, wishes, and dreams. You get a nice marriage by investing time in it, not hopes and wishes and dreams. You can't pray a better marriage. You got to invest your time in a better marriage. You can't fast enough for a better marriage. You got to put time in it. We want God to do it. And God says, no, 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 no. You do it. And so we just think, if I hope enough and I dream enough and who wouldn't be someday Jesus to cross our fingers, that does not work. You need to invest time. Some of you have time for everything else but your family. The truth is we all have the same allotment of time. It's the most valuable commodity that you have, but we burn through it without thinking or planning. We burn through it. Can you run out of time? You can run out of money. Or you can get more money, you can get more things, but you can't get more time. If you don't arrange your time, you're going to wake up in a few years and you're going to look at your spouse and say, where did the time go? You know, Nora said something and I, I felt terrible today. She said, you know what would have been good? It's, whenever someone says something in past tense, you know you already missed it. You know what would have been really neat? What would have been good? If we would have took a picture of you and I on our anniversary every year for all 17 years. Well, man, now I'm 17 years late. That's. Yeah, we're just starting now. We're starting now, baby. We got pictures. Praise God. I mean, she showed me pictures when we got married. I look like a homeless person. Why did you marry that? Uh, maybe I'm glad we started now. But where did time go? And I, I brought Nora coffee this morning and her cards and everything else. And she's like, baby, 17 years. It's almost two decades like that. How are you using the decades? How are you using the years? I've married some young couples in the church, and people come back in the church, and time is flying. They got married, and all of a sudden, kids came. I guess the stork started flying as soon as they got married, and now there's kids everywhere. And it's like, where is it? are you using your time well? See, when's the last time you spent quality time with your spouse or your kids? Time away from work and your computer. Not a trip necessarily, but quality time. I say this all the time is that be, and I hope, I hope you get nauseous because by the time I say it and it gives that in your stomach, you're starting to get it. If you want to spend quality time with your, with your family, your children, you have to take your time for you and move it to somewhere else. It was so funny to watch Ian's face this, this week because Ian always asked me to play stuff I have no idea how to play. And he says, Daddy. You want to play some Call of Duty? I said, yeah. He said, really? I was like, yeah. And so now I come home, you know, from work, give the wife a kiss, drop off the stuff, and, it's, and she's doing her thing. I was like, baby, we are Call of duty and up. Hat backwards, and we're doing it, and I don't know what I'm doing. He's yelling, Daddy, do this and shoot that and the gun. And, the, and I, was, I don't know what was going on. But he was having a ball. He's like, Daddy, this is so cool. And so this is what's great, Sister Connie, is that we're playing. We're playing, we're playing, and playing. And like time flies when you play this thing. We're playing, playing. The alarm goes off. And I said, son, it's time to read the Bible. He says, good, Daddy, because I need to learn about God's word. He says, you know about God's word, but I need to learn it, Daddy. Off goes the, the video game. Out comes the Bible. And I said, I said, son, are you having a good time? He said, I love Daddy and Ian time. You got to make time. Do I have something to do on the computer? Yes. Do I have something to do? Yes. As important as that? No way. So whatever that is, shoot, we're not, we're not playing much outdoor sports now. It's cold. But whatever it is, because every single kid I have, I went through that stage, and they don't need me anymore. The 15-year-old up there somewhere behind that thing doesn't need me anymore. You know, Dad, uh, can I buy this? And I'm hungry. 
It's about all I get. <laughs> and it, um, while you buy me this, can you make me something to eat? I mean, it's basically food and money. The uh, 24-year-old, he's off and gone, but now the 8-year-old, now it's like, Daddy, but, but do that. They're going to remember that. See, your calendar reveals your heart. What I didn't do, I didn't come home all week and, and sit behind this thing and ignore my kids and my spouse. I don't, I don't know why I'm on this, Brother Paul. I don't know why I'm on this. I like my phone. I do not want to go back to, like, pagers. But it is just ridiculous the amount of people that would rather see somebody else's life than to actually arrange their own. See, it's the time you invest that will ensure that your relationship and family make the long haul. What about dreams? I don't want to lose you on that. The first one was basically time. Second, dreams. If you don't share dreams, you won't share one another's heart for long. It isn't enough to share a house. You must share your dreams. When you share a dream, your hope stays alive. So what is it that you're longing for, pushing for, living for? Where are you headed? You just don't accidentally end up at your dream. So maybe it's starting a business. Maybe it's taking turns getting your degrees. Maybe it's buying a house. Maybe it's putting your kids through college. Whatever it is, you must intentionally move in lockstep towards your common goal and destination. What dreams are you sharing with your spouse? Pastor, we have no dreams. Man, get some dreams. Your dreams will be fulfilled as you both work to make them real. It's the dream that makes the hard work doable and palatable. What common goal are you pushing for, believing for, investing in, and giving towards? So you can't have two visions. That's die vision. Because shared dream, shared dreams equals shared life. Third is finances. Arguments about money hamper so many marriages. If you consider that one-third of all adults report that money is the biggest source of conflict in a relationship. It's no wonder why financial problems lead is a leading cause of divorce. But what you may not know is that the challenges actually start before you even say, I do. So I was looking up this stuff this week. I was like, finances, you know. It's like the first year, it's like, oh, we're so happy to be married. I love you. You love me. We're so happy. Then the second year, reality hits. Man. Uh, then there's finances. But I didn't realize that the problems actually start before you go to the altar. How about this? What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. Mm. See, sometimes when each spouse works and they can't agree on financial issues or find time to talk about it, they decide to split the bills down the middle or allocate them. And, and so you get these people that have two bank accounts. And if you have two bank accounts, I wouldn't know that. So just look forward and we'll be good. Um, but if you have two bank accounts, be very careful. Because I, 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 you're basically saying, I, I will share everything with you except my money. I'll share my life with you. I'll share my bed with you. But I will not share my money with you. Shame on you. It sounds reasonable, but the process often builds resentment over individual purchases made. It also divides spending power, eliminating much of the financial value of marriage, as well as the ability to plan for long-term goals, such as buying a home or securing retirement. It can lead to relationship-ruining behavior, such as financial infidelity. I didn't even know that word existed. Financial infidelity, when a spouse hides money from the other. Couples owe it to themselves to have a conversation about finances. So there's like four little things that actually ruin about finances. What's mine, mine. What's yours is yours. How about debt? From student loans to car loans, credit cards, gambling habits, most people come to the altar with financial baggage. If one partner has more debt than the other, um, it sparks, start to fly when discussion about income and spending um, come up. Um, deal with your debt. Third one about finances is personality. 
Personality plays a big part. You, yeah, in, in every relationship, you have the spender and the saver. It's very good if you know which one you are. Some people are natural savers who may be viewed as cheapskates and risk-averse, and some people are big spenders and, and like to make a, a statement and, and take pleasure in shopping and buying. Others rack up debt often miss, or mindlessly, while some other natural investors who delay satisfaction for future self-sufficiency. There's people that are spenders and are savers. Many of us display more than one of these characteristics as a given time, but we usually revert to the main type. Whichever profile you are, you have to understand is that if you have two spenders in a marriage, because here, here is the thing is that do you have financial trust? Can you walk in and talk about any of your purchases with your spouse? Or do you hide it? Do you have a limit? Anything over $100, you got to talk to your spouse about. I'm not saying we do. I'm just throwing out some stuff. Because my wife will call me. Yes. I don't even listen to what she says. Hi, baby. Yes, buy it. Whatever you want. Because she's a saver. If she wants something, yes, baby. She, she doesn't sit there and just blow up stuff and just, ooh. No, so whatever she wants, yes, that's the answer. Or yes, or, or yes, right now, or if not sooner. Go ahead and get it, baby. Does she, have to, does she have to ask me? No. But we have financial fidelity. Do I have to ask her to buy something? No. Especially now at Amazon, she can see everything I buy in 30 seconds. It's in the history. I love me some Amazon. But do you have financial fidelity, or are you really good at hiding your purchases? I don't know where those shoes came from. <laughs> what about the power play? Power play occurs with one of these four scenarios, when one partner has a paid job and the other doesn't, when both partners would like to be employed and working, but, the other, but one is unemployed, when one spouse earns considerably more than the other, or when one partner comes to a family that has money, or comes from a family that has money and the other one doesn't. When these situations are present, the money earner, the one who makes the most money, often wants to dictate the couple's spending priorities. Although there may be some rationale behind this idea, it's still important that both partners cooperate as a team. And I will just say this now. I will say it now. If you have a spouse that stays home and does everything and you make them feel like trash when they want to spend some money, I hope God blesses you with leprosy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud, sis? I didn't mean to, sis. I, I meant to say, may God bless you. Stop making people feel less. I told my wife, I'm saying this now just because it's our anniversary and I get to talk about us. But I'm saying this not so you, you think I'm some kind of whatever. But when I married, I said, I don't want you to work. Why? Because I was rich? No, because I'm selfish. And I don't want to share her with anybody else. I don't want to see you whatever your employer says that you can come home. But I said, baby, you have the hardest job in the, in, the, in the world because I would go house happy. You never leave the house. She's cooking and cleaning. and She's got the kids and do all this stuff. Why would I treat it like she doesn't have a job? Why would I make her feel less than me? You spend whatever you want to spend, baby. I will tell you no when we can't afford it. And I have not told her no. Now, she hasn't tried to buy a Lambo because that would be a big no. <laughs> Why? Because she works just as hard as I do or harder. Because when I leave the office, it stops and, and I got a voicemail. I'm not, I'm not working at home. I don't have to because I got a work-life balance. Some of y'all men need to do that. But what is another, another topic for another day? 
But she never escapes it because there's always kids and there's always laundry and there's always dishes and always all this stuff. And so just because I'm the, I have sole income doesn't mean that I'm the sole idiot. I, I just don't say, you know, you, I make all the money and I make all that. That is crazy. So if you have a spouse that stays at home and you make them feel terrible for spending money, may the Lord bless you and you just fill in whatever you want to. I think it's crazy. How about number five, children? Oh, I love me some kids. It got really quiet. Where'd all the kids go? They'll run around here for a little bit. Here's the big question, to have or not to have? Usually the first question. Nowadays, here it is. Nowadays, it costs $233,610 on average to raise a child to age 18, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I'm really not sure why they're running numbers on kids. They're not corn. But that's $12,978 extra a year to have a kid. Now, if y'all don't have two dimes to rub, rub together, it might not be a good idea to take on a $13,000 a year debt. Just saying. I know kids always make a way. Oh, God, yes, yes. But stop being so irresponsible to have nine of them because that's 13,000 times nine a year. Um, see, kids just aren't about the cost. But if you and your spouse are barely making it, children might not be your first focus. All that cost. I can't believe how expensive diapers are. And this, and, and you get, but how many young couples get angry because they have a kid and can't afford it, and then mom and dad bails them out? Grandparents say amen. Mm. Why? They're having the kids the easy part, but not in a financial position to do that. So, so all these things will actually affect um, your marriage. You're going to arrange that stuff. How about, we'll come to our fourth point. We talk about time. We talk about dreams. Talk about kids. How about physically? You need to arrange your physical life with your spouse. Now, I know that's not going to be like what you see in the movies, it's always going to be so spontaneously romantic. I know y'all probably think when you got married, I know at least three times a week there'll be roses on the floor leading to a candlelit room where soft music is playing. <laughs> Wake up! It doesn't work like that. If you wait for the sponta spontaneous, you will end up with the sporadic and sparse. I think one of the biggest problems in marriages today is when it comes to, to the physical is all the unwritten and unrealistic expectations each partner has. I'll just say it like this, because you got, you got that people get married and have all these unrealistic expectations. It's like, well, I like tall, dark, and sexy. Well, you marry short, plump, and pale, so I'm sorry. Come on. Now, all these, uh, see, these expectations lead to major hurt feelings and open the door to temptation to find fulfillment elsewhere. No one ever talks about their needs. No one. You want to talk about a church getting quiet? Matt, it's getting quiet now. Quiet, quiet, quiet. So the poor guy or poor girl finds, finds by the cold shoulder or by the unexplained explosive argument that there were needs that they were expected to fulfill and didn't know. I realize that arranging and planning the physical party relationship isn't storybook or movie material. But I promise that if you at least discuss your needs with your spouse, it will lead to more rewarding relationship. I would also suggest that if you arrange the physical side of your life, it will lead to more spontaneity as well. We will spend hours arranging our work life, our, have, our, our hobbies. Some people spend hours arranging their sock drawer, but won't spend a hot second arranging their marriage. You need to arrange the physical. If you think physical isn't important, look your man in the face. I promise you it is. Isn't it time when we spend some time arranging the most important gift and relationship God has given us? 
So how do you start that process, Pastor? We've just been winging it so far. How do we start that type of conversation? I talked about it maybe two Wednesdays ago. How about making the next 20 plan and be blunt and be specific? These are the things that I need from you to make sure we'll make it 20 years, 20 more years, and that we're stronger in those 20 years. Nobody talks about this. Nora started laughing at me because I was like, baby, what would you write down? But because we, we take it as a joke, especially if men write it down. What would a man write down? But really, if, if, if all weirdness aside and all being silly and half perverted aside, what do you need from your spouse for the next 20 years, not only to make it the next 20 years, but the next 20 years would be better than all the years you've had so far? Because if not, if you don't have the guts to tell your spouse, I need these five things from you, these three things from you, then how are they going to know? There's going to be unfulfilled expectation. I'm not talking about just the physical, but there's a whole bunch of needs that married folks need and no one ever talks about it. And then that's when you open the door to all kind of mess. That's when you open the door to infidelity and adultery and all that thing is because if I don't know or, or if your spouse doesn't know that you need those things, and every year goes by because he or she doesn't know, you feel neglected and unrealistic, all these expectations are unmet, somebody that might fulfill that, then all of a sudden then you start being attracted to that. Pastor, I don't like the way you tell me this. Hello, the divorce rate in the church is the same as outside the church. There is no more difference. We need to talk about this. Y'all get mad we talk about marriage for a month. The divorce rate is the exact same for saved folks as they are for sinners. People in the church, outside of church, are the same. Why? Well, I think, one, because the church doesn't even talk about it. Okay, I'm saved. Now what, pastor? Well, you got to live the next 20, 30 years with your spouse. How would you like to actually be married to your spouse the next 20, 30 years? Well, how do you do that? You need to be honest with yourself and them and say, look, I love you, but I need these things. We'll talk about it a little bit. We'll talk about it a little bit next week and the week after. We've got two more, two more. Because I know... As a man, been a man all my life, praise God. Sometimes it's not easy to tell your spouse what you need. But over how many years has it been now? 18 years? Pastoring? I've heard from a lot of men. And Nora and I, when we would counsel together, we've heard a lot from a lot of women. So I'm guessing, I got a good guess that I could pick about four or five things that your man wish you knew or your wife, your woman wish you knew and you don't. So we'll talk about that. But here's the thing is that this should be something that you sit down and see what common ground you have covered. You need to talk about this. Maybe you'll never write the next 20-year plan, but if you aren't willing to plan for the next 20 um, the chances are you won't make the next 20. And if you do, you will simply survive. You're not going to flourish. I want you to. But here's the thing. You're going to need to arrange your time. You need to arrange your dreams. What else did I say? There's one more in there. Finances and the physical. I don't think we have all four out of whack. I would say every couple has at least one out of whack. Tell you what, why don't you stand with me?
is 3.15 on Valentine's Day afternoon. How hard are we working? I mean, really, how hard are we working? You know, we talked about before that, that Tammy and Lauren Smith and myself all started in the same church in Fayetteville. And the best marriage advice I have ever received, and I haven't heard it since, or better advice since, came from that pastor. And it was him and his wife, brother and sister Williams, they would say the same thing, is that you spend every day trying to outlove your spouse and you have an awesome marriage. Rick talked about it before. He's like, don't think about yourself. I like the way Rick says it, but sometimes it sounds self-deprivating. But if you say it this way, is that, you know what? When I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to out-love you. You don't stand a chance. I'm going to out-sweet you. I'm going to out-nice you. I'm going to out-give you. I'm going to out-hug and kiss you. I, what kind of marriage would you have if you spent every day trying to out-love your spouse? What would you have? What would it be? It's like, you know, you know what? Uh, don't worry, I'm going to get up early. I'll get your coffee. Oh, no, 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 you're not going to do that laundry. I'm going to do it. You take a rest. You know what? No, I, every day you try to be a better spouse to your spouse than they are to you. If you get two people trying to live like that, you know what that's called? Wonderful. Wonderful. People say, well, how are you doing, Pastor? I am spoiled rotten. Everybody that knows me and knows my wife, I am completely spoiled. I am useless. And she spoils the mess out of me. I'm not, I'm well past blessed. I am completely rotten. But I try every day to outsweet her and outlove her, and she does it to me. Do we have bad days? Of course we do. But they're usually not the same day. If she has a bad day, I'm not having a bad day, or vice versa. But it never stops. You don't need to be super romantic. You don't need to be a poet. All you need to do is say, you know what? No matter what you do, I'm going to love you more every day than you love me. That's the best advice I've ever heard. And I've never heard any better. I know I look young. Don't let this hair fool you. This little junk I put in my hair. I'm old. I'll be 45 this year. I heard that stuff when I was 25, 24, and I, ha I read a lot of books. The love languages, and this, that's all cute. How about this? I'm going to love you more than you love me every single day. You don't, you, you don't have to write it down. You don't have to get a tattoo about it. I'll just do just all that. You don't need to read another book. Save your money. Say, I will love my spouse more every single day than he or she loves me. So what do you say? We talked about for three weeks about this. Imperfect family. What do you say? We've, we close this in prayer. God, help me every single day in every single way possible to show my spouse that I love them, I appreciate them, I honor and cherish them. Help me every single day to keep at the forefront of my mind that I am going to outlove them. I'm going to outserve them, outlove them, outsweet them, outnice them. If you do that, I promise you, do it for 30 days and come and tell me. We've never done it in this church before, but I will open up for testimony, Lord Jesus. 
I will, I will open up a testimony for that. Do it for 30 days, 30 straight days, and come tell me or tell the church how your marriage has changed. So I'm double dog daring you. Yes, I said it in public. I'm double dog daring you to try it for 30 days. That's, that's serious, bro. That is heavy stuff for a man to say. Double dog. I don't know about you. I'm on 17 years, but I could do better. I'm going to love that woman God gave me. And I'm going to outlove her. I know you're sweet, baby. I'm going to win. I'm going to win, girl. You're going to stand a chance. What do you say? Can we find a place to pray and ask God to help us?